Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 379 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, my good man, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good. Doing great, my man. How about you? <laughs> you was going to say good, and then it changed to great. What happened there? I don't know, man. I, I just feel great you right now. You remembered who you were speaking to. That was the answer you were looking for. That's right, hundred percent. Always great when talking with, when speaking with you, sir. That's how it's going. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Same back at you, Eddie. Uh, we're gonna dive straight into the review part of the show. Uh, three cars to go over in the review part. Won't take too long though. I don't think the first one took place at the Bruce Convention Center in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, USA. Whenever I um, hear of Kentucky, of course, I always think of um, Muhammad Ali being from Louisville. Um, <laughs> I used to do a good Ali impression back in the day. I don't think I'm going to attempt that this week. But um, yeah, Kentucky is the place. And that was where the boxing was this weekend. Friend of the show, Tyler Tomlin. He is still with Lou DeBella. He picked up a win here, a unanimous decision for him. He's now 14-1. and one. It was over eight rounds there at welterweight against Gustavo Vittori. Now 27-13 and 13 with a draw. Um Moving out now to this one here. It took place at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York, USA. It was live on ESPN. It was live on Sky Sports here in the UK. Going to start with the undercard. Guido Vianello, the Italian heavyweight, now 10-1 with a draw. He loses his undefeated record, at least. He was TKO'd in round seven by Jonathan Rice. Um, Jonathan Rice now 16-6 with a draw. Um, It was a cut. It was a cut. Uh, the doctor stopped the fight in round seven. Um, it was a, you know, it was a competitive fight while it lasted. Um, I think Vianello was probably ahead on the score. In fact, he was ahead on the scorecards. Um, I think he was clearly winning the fight, but it was competitive. Rice was very much in the fight. Um, Rice hit Vianello over his left eye, and it it reopened an old cut that. Vianello suffered earlier on in his career, and it was right above the eye. Um, like I said, the doctor stopped it on the cart. It was a shame, really, for Vianello to lose his O in that fashion, because, yeah, the fight was a 50-50 on paper. Um, you know, it, it, it was a close fight, like I say. Um, I mean, it, I say it was close. It was competitive. I think Vianello was winning, like I say, but it was competitive. It certainly was far from over, and Rice still had a big chance in the fight. But, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was a shame to see it end like that. Happier, of course, for, for um, Jonathan Rice. Again, takes another O away from a prospect. Um, what else did we have? Um, let's go with the other undercard fight. Another 50-50 on paper, to be honest with you. Adam Lopez now... Um, uh, 16 and 4. He lost a unanimous decision over 10 rounds to Abraham Nova, now 22 and 1. Abraham Nova, um, you know, a big puncher. I always felt the fight would go to distance. It did go to distance, but I wasn't too sure when Adam Lopez went down in round 5, and he also went down again in round 6. And then late on in the fight, in the final round, in the dying seconds, Lopez seemed to hurt Abraham Nova really badly. Um, I think Nova was also hurt earlier on in the fight, but it was quite a good scrap, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, there were exciting moments when both men were rocked and hurt, and... Yeah, Lopez, like I say, down round five and six. Um, but yeah, for, for for major parts of the fight, both men were just trading lever in the center of the ring. Um, Lopez was the slight favorite going in with the bookies. But yeah, Nova gets the win on points. So a slight upset there in the eyes of the bookies. And 
We're going to move now to the main event. Effia Jagba now 17-1. Stefan Shaw now 18-1. He loses his O. Um, he is a Lou DiBella fighter as well. Um, Lou, you know, really thought this was his time to shine for Stefan Shaw. Um, yeah, I, I actually hadn't seen Shaw before. But, you know, knowing he was with Lou DiBella, I thought, okay, he's going to be quite decent. Like I say, Lou did a few interviews before the fight, I believe, bigging him up, saying that this is going to be it and he's going to prove to the world, you know, that he's a good fighter and stuff like that. Um, he looked much smaller than a Jagber at the weigh-in. And I couldn't really understand why a Jagba was the underdog in the fight. Because from what I know of a Jagba, I think a Jagba's good, even though a lot of people like to discredit him and, you know, say he's overhyped and stuff. I actually think a Jagba is a, is a good heavyweight. Um, but I hadn't seen anything of Stefan Shaw, so I was wondering if maybe, I don't know, there's, there's talk of sparring sessions or something. I don't understand how he could have been the favourite in the fight. I, I just couldn't understand that myself. But like I say, sometimes... You know, just because you can't understand them doesn't mean that they're not right. And he was the favourite. So I thought, okay. Um, but I did fancy a Jagba, like I say. I, I think I said it on last week's show. And early on, I did like what I saw from Shaw. Um, a really good fast jab. He was shooting his jab out real quick. There was power on it. A Jagba was taking a lot of the jab straight in the face. Um, but I also liked a Jagba's jabs as well. Um, bit of a tongue twister there. A Jagba's jabs. Um, particularly when he would throw one to the body of Shaw early on and Shaw also displayed good footwork for a bigger guy I felt it was quite an intriguing contest early on but as the fight went on Shaw just became lazy and he didn't he didn't look particularly tired and that's what I kind of always get confused with when a guy doesn't really look that tired but they're they're being lazy. They're, they're they're fighting as if they're tired, but they don't look tired at all. It's it's a hard one to try to explain if you didn't watch the fight. But he he kind of went into like sparring partner mentality. That's what it seemed like, you know, to me. And he he just reminded me, you know, his attitude, his style. It, it it reminded me of Kevin Kingpin Johnson. It was like Kevin Kingpin Johnson. 2.0 or whatever um like i say he had a good start to the fight um stefan shaw in, in in the early part of the fight maybe uh you know round one two three that kind of area but like i say after that it was difficult to give him many rounds uh the crowd were booing a few times throughout the contest and yeah i think it was a fight really to forget in a flash it was more like a sparring session but effie jagba did what he had to do and passed the test, and um, Stefan Shaw can be quite disappointed, I think, because I think he had all the tools, man. He had the skills, like I say, really liked his footwork, really liked his jab, but as the fight wore on, he just he just decided to get lazy, and yeah, he's blown his chance. If that is his sole chance, then he's blown his chance, unfortunately. But like I say, credit to Effie Jagbar, slight underdog with the bookies. Nice win there for everyone. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, on to the next one for him, really. I think there's still some big fights to be made for him. Um, I'd like to see him in with one of the more kind of bigger named American heavyweights that I think he could possibly beat. Like, for example, I'd love to see him in with someone like a Gerald Washington. I think that's a great fight. Um, anyway, that's it for that one. Moving out to the final card to to review. This one took place at the Good City Brewing in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, USA. Over here, friend of the show, former world champion Mary McGee, now 28-4. and four. She... Had her opponent retire on her store at the end of round four of a scheduled six-rounder. Her opponent, Dahiana Santana, now 40 and 14. Okay, there we go. That's it, though, for the review part of the show. Flown through that myself there. The final thing for me to do in this part is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the world-ranked welterweight contender. It is, of course, Mr. Michael McKinson. Mikey, welcome back on the show, my man. 
How you doing, mate? Good to be back on. Always good when speaking with you, Mikey. Doing very well, thanks. So we last spoke back in July. Um, it was a few weeks before the Virgil Ortiz fight. Let's start with that. Um, obviously, you took Ortiz into round nine further than anyone had managed to do. At times, you stood with him in the center of the ring and were happy to trade with him. Those tactics, I think, shocked a lot of people. You know, what's this guy doing trading with Ortiz? He's only got two KOs on his record, I see some people say. But it worked. You did get the better of a lot of the exchanges. I know you're a very proud man, Mikey, but can you take any moral victory in the defeat? Um, I can't be proud of the of a loss at all, but there's a lot to gain from it. You know, round one, I did come out. I won the first round, earned his respect. <laughs> Traded a little bit as well and and stuff like that. And like obviously, if things were going okay, um, the plan was to get through the first six because he's obviously going to start start fast. I got through the first six and won a round. Then I won round seven on two of the judges' scorecards, I think. So things were going okay. I was winning rounds um, down on the cards, but in round eight, he hit that hard. He hit me on the hip bone and. Literally, all the ligaments gave in like on my hip bone, and after that, it was, I was kind of defenseless. Um, went back to the corner after after round eight. Said to my dad, um, he, he, "Like he could like could have pulled me out on my stool, but I like like you just said, I'm a very proud man. So I got up and carried on. And because before that, there was there's was never a time in the fight I thought I was going to be stopped at all, you know, but. You know, I came to the ring with a lot of booze and I left with cheers and and things like that and a lot of respect over there. In fact, I'm probably more respected in the States than I am over here for whatever reason. Um, so, so I can never be proud of a loss, but there's a lot to take from that. Um, the, the experiences that I've had this year fighting in the States twice, headlining against Virgil Ortiz and and stuff like that is only going to benefit me going forward in myself and my career. Yeah, no, 100%. And, um, yeah, like, I very, very rarely, in fact, yeah, very rarely have have seen you not in control of a fight. And even though, obviously, you went in with Ortiz, he wanted to get you out early. Of course he did. He didn't. So, in, in some respect, I even feel like you were in control early on. And then, obviously, as you say, the game plan was to come on strong later on, and you did rack up a bunch of rounds. I thought your counter-punching was excellent. Your jab was probably the best I've ever seen. He kept smashing it straight through his guard. Um... But yeah, his power, as you say, it kind of caught up with you in the end. Um, I know you touched on it just briefly, but what was that power like, maybe in comparison with other punches you've taken in the past from other guys? Do you know what? I proved to the world, because before then, nobody knew I had a good chin. No, nobody knew that I had a big heart. So I proved a lot about, I showed a lot about myself um, and proved to people, I've got a great chin, I've got a big heart. And things like that, you know. This is a guy that's tipped for superstardom that has got a 100% knockout record. But like I said just a minute ago, I was taking his headshots. I was taking his body shots. It wasn't until he caught me on the... Like, it wasn't an illegal shot or anything like that. It's just unfortunate. It was my hip bone. Um, it, it was really unfortunate. After that, then I couldn't do anything. I couldn't uh, put any weight onto my right leg. I couldn't... Throw, throw my right hand so towards the end of round eight when it happened and then the rest of round nine I could only circle to the left that's why I was limping as well so it was just it was just unfortunate like I'm not saying without the hip bone I would have gone and like shoot the well and beat him um, because I was down on the cards at the time I think I was 5-2 or 6-2 down on the cards but um, there wasn't a point I thought I was going to get stopped until then um, but you know what I hope Virgil, like him and his team are unbelievable people, very, very humble, genuine guys. So I'm rooting for him. Hopefully he goes on, wins a world title in, in multiple weight classes um, because then that defeat isn't as bad. <laughs> yeah, it'll age good. But no, is he the hardest puncher you've been in with, Mikey? Of course, by a long... Yeah. Because I've never, I've never ever... There's never been a time I've looked shaky. There's never been a time I've... Uh, people like I, I don't rarely get hit. Do you know what I mean? So it's definitely, but it's not just his power; it's his timing. He's got a good 
boxing ability too. His, his velocity, his uh, pace, his size. There's more to it than just his one-punch power. Like I've probably sparred bigger one-punch hitters than Virgil Ortiz, but it's everything combined which makes him what he is. Um, he's a great young fighter, and like I said, I'll be, I'll be rooting for him on his way to winning world titles now. Yeah, no, fair enough. And um, you, you did close out the year on a positive by outpointing Roberto Ariaza. Uh, a couple words on that one. Thank God we did get to see it on TV in the end. Yeah, so obviously the two fights in the States this year have kind of been life-changing for me. My bank account, like everything about me is like gained from it. I didn't need to fight soon, soon, like soon after, really. I could still be chilling out, relaxing and enjoying enjoying life. But for me, this is my best year in boxing. I couldn't end it on a loss. I couldn't. So I, there was a big show happening just before uh, Christmas on the South Coast. I pushed to be on it. Um, I pushed to be on it uh, for little money. Um, uh, but the opponent, right, I got offered... And a, a guy with eight wins and 30 losses. Um, and I said, no, let me have the dangerous opponent. So, so yeah, I fought Roberto Ariazza for the same money I was going to get for fighting a journeyman. Wow. Um, but like I said, I'm a very proud guy. And I'm, I'm the guy that's just headlined in America. And I want to get back to that sort of level. So there was never a chance I was going to ever fight somebody with a losing record. So I fought Roberto Ariazza, who... I think it was 19 wins, four losses, but 14 KOs. Um, he came in five pounds overweight. Nothing went was on my side that week on fight week. Nothing, but you know, I'm a I'm a world class fighter, so we made no excuses and and we got the job done, no matter what the circumstances. And you do have a fight penciled in already for 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 this year. Am I right in saying um, in Italy? Yeah. So I am. Um... In the meantime, obviously, we we want the big fights. We want the love to go back to America. Blair Cobbs, Alexis Watcher, people like that. Um, we want big fights, and it's no secret that Michael McKinson will fight any of them. You know what I mean? I've uh, got him with Virgil Ortiz. So, um, in the meantime, I, I reckon we'll get a big fight in the summer. Uh, I'm uh, my teammate was fighting over in Italy, so I pushed to see if I could get on the card over there and. Fortunate enough, I have. I, I didn't want to wait another five months without a fight. So for me, the important thing is is to stay nice and warm, stay active, um, and then the big fights will come in the summer. So I'm fighting in an eight-rounder in Rome, March 18th. Lovely. Okay. No opponent just yet for that one, though? Uh, no opponent just yet. Um, uh, my manager, my dad's on the case uh, at the moment. Um, and yeah, like whoever it is, like I, I said, it's got to be somebody with a good record. I don't want to fight anyone with a, a, a bad record. So uh, they're on the case just to stay nice and active, nice and warm um, and stay in shape, really. And have you set yourself a goal, Mikey, for this year? And if so, can you tell us what it is? Uh, well, I'm... Um... I'm sitting very well at the moment, and Boxing News is uh, recent rankings. I'm number one in the UK. Um, you know, I'm, I think I'm 16th in the world on BoxRec, so I'm in a very good position for big fights. And you're also top 15 with two sanctioning bodies. Yeah, as well. So, um, so I'm, I'm in real good position. So, I think I'd love to go back to America. Uh, there are big fights over there in America. That that's a goal of mine this year go back over there and fight um, you know like for me I'm very very motivated and I'm still very very hungry you know I'm not although I've taken a defeat I'm not far off I, like, I didn't really lose much positioning and, and things like that from a loss so the drive's still there to, to reach the top and I'm really really confident and, and I'm definitely capable of reaching there you know um, I've proved that I'm a world-class fighter and I'll continue to prove that. And I wanted to ask as well, is there any names that you've got at the minute on your radar, Mikey, or no one really in particular? Um, I think since my last fight, the main name that I want to get in the ring with is Blair Cobbs. Uh, obviously, me competing on two two of the same cards as him this year, it's a no-brainer. He, he called me out in March 
when I didn't have an opponent when Ortiz pulled out. Um, and then he also fought on my undercard when I fought Ortiz as well. So that fight's there and it makes sense. Um, obviously, I've fought on two Golden Boy shows, so the relationship with Golden Boy is there to be able to get them fights. Alexis Roger. Um, you know, I know there's a there's a big domestic fight coming up with the two beneath me uh, next week in, in Echo Suman and Chris Congo. This week. Um, <laughs> this, oh, this week, sorry, yeah, on Monday now, aren't we? Um, so I know that there's a lot of people that are going to be mentioning my name this weekend. Be, like, and to be fair, it's a great fight, them two. Yeah, that I, was actually going to be I, my next question, Mike. I was going to say, how do you see that one going? How do I see it going? I think Asuman stops him late. Now, Chris Congo is the better boxer, uh, no denying. Um, but if Michael McKinson, a, a, who punches like a fairy, had Chris Congo's legs bambi several times in the fight, somebody with Echo Suman's relentless pressure and will 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 get to him at some point, I believe. Um, but, not, but, you know, but I've, I've been wrong before. I have been wrong before, but... Either way, it's a great it's a great fight for the um, it's a great fight for the boxing world in Britain. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I know they could the winner could probably go ahead of me in the rankings. To be fair, because they're only the, the two beneath me. But um, like they may want the winner, like because I'm like whoever wins that isn't the king of Britain until they beat me. Let's face it. So if, if that could. Uh, down the line be like a summer showdown with me and the winner great uh, but I know my worth now so whatever's offered to me I'm not going to take unless it benefits me you know I beat Chris Congo 18 months ago for X amount so if it's like do you know what I mean I've got a figure in my head but um, but yeah I'll sit back and I'll enjoy the fight like, like everyone else and then if they want to talk my name afterwards then we can make it happen in the summer and the main event as well, I want to get your take on that one as well. Liam Smith, Chris Eubank Jr., a lot of mixed opinions. I've said it from the minute it got made. I cannot, for the life of me, see a knockout in that fight at all. I don't know how you see it, though. Yeah. Um, I can't... I don't see a knockout either, to be honest. But I, I can't really pick a winner. I think Liam Smith's proven at the high level. He's competed with the better calibre like he's obviously been in the ring with Canelo and things like that um, a lot so I would I would favour Liam Smith in the fight but it all depends on what he has actually got left you know it all depends on what he has actually got left um, so I, I can maybe sit on the fence but I'd favour Liam Smith Okay, narrowly to Liam Smith. And just finally, Mikey, before we let you go, if you've got any closing words, um, obviously we love having you on. It's always great to have you on. But if you want to wrap it up with a message to the listeners, my friend, take it away. Yeah, you know, it's been it's been pretty quiet in terms of media and um, publicity and things like that since the Ortiz fight for me. Um, you know, so there's going to be a lot of people that are going to sleep on me and, and things like that. But fact of the matter is I'm still king of Britain I'm still number one in the UK um, for the boxing news and stuff like that so I'm still here for big fights big fights will happen all in good time um, you know it's just whatever gets presented to me next let's do it there we go there we go listen Mikey it's always a pleasure speaking with you my man best of luck for March 18th in Italy and we'll speak sometime afterwards brilliant I appreciate it thank you very much Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. Frank Warren has announced a card for York Hall on February the 17th, which is a Friday. Um, over here, we're going to see David Adelaide, the heavyweight, 10-0, getting in with Dimitro Bezus, who's actually 10-0 as well. Somebody's O must go there. A couple of um, smaller fights on the undercard. Uh, Royston, Barney Smith, a couple of others. And also on the card, Mark Chamberlain, 11-0, gets in with Viro Lenti of Italy, who's 10-4 with a draw. Um, so, yeah, that's a small card there going down at the York Hall. Um that's going to be live, I think, on BT Sport. Yeah, it's going to be live on BT Sport. Um, in other news, just one other piece of news really to mention. 
Unfortunately, Ivan Redcatch has had to pull out of his fight with Adrian Broner. I'm not quite sure what's gone on. It seems a real messy situation because if I'm not mistaken, Ivan Redcatch is angry at his promoter, uh, Joe DeGuardia from um, from uh, Star Boxing. Um, he seems to be furious at him and he's blaming his promoter, Joe, for... Um, for basically scuppering the fight. So that fight's not happening. Um, Adrian Broner is still fighting, though, on that same date, February 25th. But he has a new opponent, Eddie, I'm sure you know. Hank Lundy steps in. Um, yeah, I've I've got a good friend of mine that's set to hopefully be on that undercard. I can't, I don't think I can break that news yet because it's not out. But um, yeah, shaping up to be a, a, a decent little card. But Hank Lundy, Adrian Broner, I think they were friends at one point, then enemies, then friends again. I don't know what they are at the minute, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a weird one, really. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Weird one, but actually, two guys at similar points, I would say, in their career. You know what I mean? Going mm. to be going kind of down. I mean, Broner's trying to get himself back in. Uh, Hank, I think, is at this point just, he's trying. I mean, each fight he gets out there, he tries to, to, to you know, trying to make it a go. He tries to do the best he possibly can, but he just, it looks like he's trying to cash out. I mean, I don't know, but I said, it's a hell of an opportunity for him. If he goes in and wins this fight, he may get another opportunity after. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a good look for him. You know, to be able to get in there with Broner and possibly do something to revitalize his career a little. You know what I mean? Um, I don't necessarily see that happening, but you never know. You know what I mean? At this point, like I said, Broner is not one what he once was, or at least he hasn't showed that recently. So, you know, Hank has an opportunity. He has a chance. So if I was him, I would go in there and give it my best. Yeah, all the best to Hank. Uh, we're pulling for Hank. Um... Yeah, it's just a shame because Hank actually had a fight penciled in with the young prospect Ernesto Mercado and um, I was really looking forward to that fight and I was actually going to have them both come on the podcast basically to do a freeway interview and I think it would have been really, really, really good because, you know, Hank is a fantastic trash talker and so is um, Ernesto Mercado now. I mean, when I had him on the show uh, about a year ago or whatever, he seemed like a really quiet guy. I think he was like one and oh two and all of a sudden on instagram you see some of the things he's been saying about hank in the build-up and i was like wow where's all this trash talk come from i need to get him back on the show um ernesto mercado of course a really good amateur i think he was about 290 and 10 i think his amateur record was um he was going to get in with hank but like i say unfortunately that fight's fallen through because there's more money on the table for hank to fight adrian broner it makes all the sense can't be mad at hank um anyway that is it for the news. Moving on to the preview part. Just two cards to go over, so it's going to be quite a short show, really. I'm going to start here with this one. It takes place at the Manchester Arena on Saturday. Um, it's going to be live on the zone in the US and in other territories, but unfortunately in the UK it's going to be on pay-per-view. It's a good card, though. I, I, I have to admit, it is a good card. Um, you know, in terms of there's some decent matchups on there. Um yeah, we're going to get to it. Let's chop it up. Um, Richard Reactpour, 15-0 and 0, uh, with, with 11 KOs. He gets in with former WBO Cruiserweight World Champion Christoph Glowacki, who's 32-3. and 3. Um, See, I've never been massively sold on Reactpour, you know, because I always felt that, you know, his fights against uh, Jack Massey and Chris Billum-Smith were really, really, really close fights, and I felt that, you know... Um, I, I felt that if he's not miles above those guys, then he's going to come unstuck as he steps up. But to his credit, he, he come back quite well. I think he was out the ring about two years after that Massey fight. So 
I was always a bit kind of unsure of how he'd come back. He split with Mark Tibbs, I think he was with. And then he comes back, and to be honest, he's looked good. Like I say, got in there with Duradola. I gave Duradola a chance. He was he was awful, Duradola. But, you know, credit to Reactor for getting him out of there. Then he had the win against Dion Juma, the win against Fabio Turkey. So he's on a bit of a run. Three KOs in his last three. He gets in, though, with Christoph Glowacki, who, you know... Is a, is a humongous step up from these guys. Like, it is a humongous step up. So, I'm not confident. I, I, I think the best way of putting it is I'm not as confident as some people would be or are with this fight. I'm not saying he's not going to win. I still make him a favourite. I still think he, he, if I was pushed to it, I, I'd probably say he's going to win by stoppage. But it's, it's pretty much not to do with... Um, react poor, but the fact that I think Glowacki's very much on the slide now. You know, we, we forget he lost his O to Alexander Usyk back in 2016. Where's the time gone, man? That's crazy. Almost seven years ago um, since since that happened. It was in late the late part of 2016. Um, since then, you know, he put together a string of low-level wins. That well, actually, the win against Maxim Vlasov wasn't low-level, but. He's been knocked out in two of his last three fights, even though Usyk didn't put him away all those years ago. He has been knocked out in three rounds by Bradis and then in six rounds by Akoli. Um, he has come back with a win again, another low-level win against Francisco Ruiz. He now gets in with Reactor here in Manchester. Um, he seems like he's really at the end of his career. This will be a decent little payday, perhaps, to sail off in the sunset with, but... Like I say, it's a massive step up for Reactor. He's not boxed anywhere near this level, so it wouldn't surprise me any outcome here. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Reactor knocked him out because he's probably finished and this is his last chance of a nice payday. I wouldn't be surprised if Glowacki pulled off the upset because he's got the experience. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a knockout or if it was on points. And I also wouldn't be surprised if Reactor beat him on points as well. So that is a fight there that I'm just completely unsure about. But of course I favour Reactor. Again if I was pushed I think I'd probably go with Reactor to win by stoppage just because Glowacki I think is pretty much at the end of his career now. But I, I, I don't know if he's finished enough where he'd lose to Reactor. And I'm I'm still kind of unsure of where Reactor's ceiling is. So it's a really tough fight and I'm intrigued by it. That's what I like about this card. There's some, there's some intriguing fights. One fight though that I'm going to move to next, which to me is not intriguing at all and is an absolute mismatch and, ab and actually quite a disgrace I think from the management team of one of these fighters let's start with it former WBO heavyweight world champion friend of the show Joseph Parker we had him on a couple weeks ago 30 and 3 his record these days coming off that that loss but that brilliant fight against Joe Joyce he gets in with Jack Massey who's 20 and 1 I did just say his name a couple minutes ago because I said his fight with um, Richard Reakpour his fight with Richard Reakpour he was down in round 10 I, I kind of confuse his his fight with Reactor to Billum Smith's fight with Reactor, but I think in one of those fights, um, there was a knockdown that was given and it cost the fighter, and it shouldn't have been a knockdown. It cost the fighter of the win. Um, so obviously Reactor benefited from that, but I always felt like this fight is quite good. I think it was Jack Massey. But it could have been Chris Billum Smith. Anyway, either either guy, whatever. Both those fights were really, really close. And I felt that Jack Massey, you know, his fight with Reactor was particularly close. And I actually think that he might have nicked it now, if 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 my memory serves me right. It was over two years ago. But anyway, Jack Massey, since losing to Reactor, completely disappeared off the face of the earth. I think he was fighting in car parks. Um, like in Sheffield or something. I could be making that up. No, no, he was. I'm looking here. He, he boxed in a Sheffield car park, I think, during the pandemic. But um, he's been just moved terribly since that since that um, loss to Reactor, which, like I say, was pretty much any man's fight. And, yeah, since then, he's done nothing at all. Um, and i'm saying that in terms he's picked up a couple of belts but i'm saying that in terms of like big fights interesting fights big undercards he's not been nowhere he's been he's been fighting guys on small small shows really small shows untelevised shows and i think he's a fantastic cruiserweight i think he's one of our best cruiserweights in the country 
really, really is. And his one loss was not a definitive loss, you know. So I think he's got a lot more to offer. However, because of the lack of opportunities it seems he was going to get at cruiserweight, he's now moving up to heavyweight and fighting Joseph Parker in his first fight of the weight. Joseph Parker, former world champion, obviously we all know that. Joseph Parker, the naturally bigger guy, big puncher, you know, he should smash Jack Massey. Absolutely smash him. And when this fight got made, I was stunned. Because I think this is a dangerous, dangerous fight. And, you know, boxing's a dangerous sport at the best of times. But when we see mismatches like this, this is a cruiserweight who hasn't really proved that he's even the best cruiserweight in Britain. And he's getting in with a former world champion at heavyweight in Parker in his first fight at the weight. There's nothing else for me to add. It's a dangerous, dangerous mismatch. And I'm expecting Joseph Parker to spark him out. And I I just hope he doesn't take tons of punishment before he goes to sleep. But I can't see any other alternative way to this this fight and how it's going to play out. I don't want Jack Massey to get hurt, of course. But I just cannot... I cannot see a, a, a different ending to this fight. There's no way Massey can win the fight. You know, I, I don't I don't think there's any way it can go 10 rounds. It's a 10-rounder. Um, as far as I'm aware, it's a 10-rounder. But, you know, Joseph Parker should be able to just walk through anything Massey has. Massey, again, wasn't a big puncher at cruiserweight. It's, this is a really bad fight. I'm expecting Joseph Parker to win by knockout. Um, from what I can see, the best place to put that bet on is 8-11 to 11 with Bet365. Um, which is unbelievable odds, unbelievable odds for a Joseph Parker KO. Um, but I would say if you can get early rounds, I'd even say early rounds probably within six rounds. We'll see how that ages this time next week. But hopefully Jack Massey's okay after the fight. But Joseph Parker for him, it's it's like a. My only worry is is he actually taking it seriously mentally? Like is he actually? going into this fight thinking, oh, there's a risk that I could lose, because I don't think there's any risk at all. All he's got to do is show up and he wins the fight. Um, Elsewhere on the card, sorry for going on for too long there, but elsewhere on the card we've got Fraser Clark getting in with Kevin Espindola. Fraser Clark, 4-0, three KOs. Kevin Espindola, 7-6. Obviously, they're moving Fraser Clark... uh, quite quickly in terms of how active he's been but hopefully this one is another step in the right direction um i haven't seen kevin espindola fight before i I don't think oh no i have he's been in there oh my goodness he's the guy that took solomon dakers eight rounds and i absolutely went in on solomon dakers because it was one of the most boring fights i'd seen all year Oh my goodness. Okay, that is extremely interesting. Okay, wow. This has changed my whole perspective. He's 7-6. and six, Never been knocked out in his six losses. But I didn't think he would have boxed anyone at, at a good level. Now, Dakers isn't a big puncher, obviously. But I've noticed that he also got in with Ivan Daiko. Went the distance with him over 10 rounds. And Daiko... You know, other than that that time he went to points, he's 11-0 with 11 KOs. So that tells me this guy can definitely take a punch. Wow. Okay, wow. That's incredible. I think the odds on um, um, Fraser Clark to win on points are about 3-1 to one or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. That is extremely inviting now. Um, okay. All the best to Big Phrase. Moving up the card once again. Echo Esserman, 18-0 against Chris Congo, 14-1. This is an absolutely brilliant fight. In terms of 50-50s, this is the most closely matched fight on the card, I'd say. Um, yeah, I'd say so. Um, like I say, brilliant, brilliant fight there at welterweight over 12, over 12 rounds for the vacant... Um, no, no vacant belts, my apologies, for the British, for the Commonwealth, for the IBF European and the WBC International Silver Welterweight titles. Um, We spoke to Mikey McKinson a few moments ago. He said Essamon with the late KO. And if you back Essamon with the late KO from round 7 to 12, I think it's about 6 or 7 to 1. Um, or 9 to 12 gets even bigger. It's about 11 to 1. So that would be massive if he's right there. But um, it is a fight that most people expect to go the distance. 
and um, if there's a stoppage from Essendon, that'd be really impressive there. So be interesting to to see how that pl- that fight plays out. But I think it's a really good fight. I've spoke to a few people. Um, I was in the gym the other day, actually, Eddie. I forgot to tell you, I was on. I was in the gym um, late last week. Um, so after last week's podcast, but before this week's podcast, so um, I haven't spoke about it, but I was in the gym with Roy Jones Jr. the other day, which was really cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you get a chance to talk to him? You ask him, you do a live interview with him? Nah, I don't do any live interviews, do I? I do them all over the phone, but... Um... Yeah, but you could have done one right there. You had the man right in front of you, Joe. Nah, nah, nah. There'll probably be another time, but... um, But yeah, no, we... It's were... probably better... Huh? Just to just talk and let, talk to him and see what he's like, you know, in real life without without all the pressure of answering questions. Yeah, so I get it. Yeah, it was good to be in the gym with him and um, and you know w- watch the way he was teaching some of the guys in the gym was really really interesting actually, um, really fun and um, a few people in the gym. There were a few boxing people in the gym. Not going to mention any names, but there was a lot of um, there was a lot of. Uh, of, of conversations about that Essiman and Congo fight is going to be a really close one, I think. And moving up to the main event, of course, Roy Jones Jr. trains one of these men, and that man is Chris Eubank Jr., 32-2, and two, gets in with Liam Smith, 32-3 and three with a draw, over 12 rounds at middleweight. Eddie, I mean, you know both guys, so I'm going to come to you here because you haven't done any talking yet on this week's show. Um, How do you see it playing out, man? Yeah, man. Excellent fight, actually. It's a very interesting fight. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think I'm gonna go. I would, if I'm gonna pick a winner, I would, you know, I think, I would think Eubank at this point. Um, and I think it's important for him at this point to get, get that win, especially against a guy like you know, former champion, former, former high level guy, fought top, top level guys. He needs to prove himself against a guy like this, and prove that he can. T- I mean, he's already done it. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's fought you know, uh, uh, good fights in the past, but in order to get himself back in that contention, back in that, in that area, he needs this win. And like I said, if you want to go with the, uh, the, the second generation of, of rivalries <clears throat> with, uh, Connor Ben, you kind of want to go into that kind of thing with a win, you know, and who wants two losses in a row anyway, if that was to happen, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to lose to Connor Ben, but, uh, you just wouldn't want to have that negative, uh, situation going into another big fight especially a fight like that where um you know like i said there's there's a little bit of animosity there but you know because of the you know their fathers and now into the sons you know what i mean so um yeah but uh it's a good fight i'm looking forward to it you know what i mean i'm 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 gonna do my very best to see this one because i i've been i've been wanting to watch uh i wanted to see him fight connor ben but now that he's got this fight this is another appetizing interesting kind of fight to watch too so I'm looking forward to it, and uh, you know, made the best man win. But I think I, I'm I'm going to go with Eubank at this point. Yeah, it's a really interesting fight, and the one thing I'm most confident of in this fight is that I think it goes the distance. Um, you know, when I look back at both guys' recent form, and we all kind of feel that maybe Liam Smith's been around the game for so much longer, but they have actually had very near similar amount of um, fights. Um, But recent form, I think probably Liam Smith is in better form recently than, than Chris Eubank, which seems weird because he was a world champion, what, about seven years ago or something like that, and since then he hasn't... Uh, you know, hasn't picked up a title again, obviously took a couple of losses as well in that time, but I'd say he's in the better form, because I'm looking back on Eubank's last few fights, obviously beat Liam Williams last time out, had him down I think four times, but didn't get him out of there, which is a bit alarming, um, and Liam Williams on, on last week's show, we had him on, and he, he revealed all, he said, look, I, I don't really want to he didn't really want to say it, but then he said, oh, it's probably just going to get out anyway, okay, I took an elbow in sparring, I was concussed, I went into the Eubank fight concussed, hence why I was going down off of shots that really weren't even big shots, 
So so to not get him out of there after putting him down four times in 12 rounds is a little bit alarming, actually. The fight before that, he beat that guy Wanik Aldijan, who was just absolutely awful. Um, the fight before that, again, was really underwhelming when he went the distance against Marcus Morrison. We saw what happened to Marcus Morrison when he got in with other domestic middleweights like Denzel Bentley and Zach Parker. A super middleweight in, in terms of Zach Parker. Um um, the the fight before that against Matty Korobov, where it obviously ended prematurely, where Korobov got injured again. The fight before that against James DeGaulle, when he was absolutely finished and retired right after the fight. He didn't stop DeGaulle either. Um, it's just... It's just mad. Like his 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 form hasn't really been there, and there's never really been that solid fight that he's had that people thought, oh, okay, this is a really tough fight, and he wins it. It's just not happened. It's not happened. Obviously, you look back at his highlight fights. Yeah, the Degal fight. You know, he was finished. Um, Arthur Abraham, he was finished. George Groves, he lost to him. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders lost to him. You know, honestly, it's 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 a bit deceiving, really, and he captures the minds of a lot of casual boxing fans, obviously, with the with the surname. Liam Smith, though, looking back at his, I mean, last time out, he had that fun fight against Hassan Mwakinyo, who he stopped in four rounds. The fight before that, he knocked out Jesse Vargas, which isn't an easy thing to do. He's the only man to have stopped Vargas. Mikey Garcia couldn't do it. Manny Pacquiao couldn't do it. Tim Bradley couldn't do it. Adrian Broner couldn't do it. He stopped him in 10 rounds. Um, albeit it was up at 154. Um, what else did he have? He had the fight before that against Anthony Fowler. He took um, he took him out in eight rounds. Uh, the fight before that when he lost to Kurbanov on the road, but we know that really he deserved to win that fight and got jobbed. And a couple fights before that when he stopped Sam Eggington. So I think that, it, weirdly, he seems like he's in a really, really um, good place at the minute, Liam Smith. And like I say, he's got grey hair. <laughs> he's had grey hair since he's been 28. He's 34 now, I think it is. And he he doesn't, you know, he doesn't look like a young man, but I feel like he's kind of fighting as if he's in his prime, you know? And we've got to remember his losses have only come to really good fighters. One of them I've just touched on, it wasn't really a loss I'm even going to count because I think he won and most people felt he won. It was on the road, I think he got robbed. His other two losses have come to Mungia on points and, and, um, and, and Canelo. Would Mungia and Canelo beat... Chris Eubank Jr. I think so. I think so. So, you can't read much into it. Now, I think that the fight goes the distance. Like I say, I'm super sure it goes the distance. I'll be stunned if either man gets gets a knockout. Um, they did a gloves are off thing, and I watched that, and Liam Smith talked about a time where they sparred in the past, and apparently he hurt... Um, Eubank with a body shot. Eubank tried to say his elbow was hurting, and it was. It seemed a bit weird, but um, yeah. I, I mean, Smith's not going to get knocked out. He's a tough, tough guy, and Eubank I think's too tough really as well to get knocked out. Never really seen him hurt in a fight at all. So I think it goes the distance. But the problem for me is that Eubank is very lazy at times and doesn't throw many shots. In you know in in rounds and a lot of the time does that that same old stuff that posturing walking around the ring you know all, all, all things like that and I don't think he's very active so I don't think that he's gonna be outlanding um, Smith and Smith is clever very clever much more clever than he looks in a boxing ring um, very good body puncher as well and I think that Liam Smith could potentially win this fight on points, which I think is just over three to one odds, which is mental. I think there's some crazy value in the boxing bets this weekend. But I, I certainly think it goes to points. I cannot see a knockout in this fight at all. And if Eubank knocks him out, then I I tell you what, I'll be taking my hat off. I'll be applauding him. It'll be a brilliant win. And it could potentially be the biggest win of his career if he knocks him out. That, for me, is more impressive than beating James DeGaulle, a washed-up version of James DeGaulle, retired. Um, so, yeah, for me, it goes the distance, but I'm going to lean slightly more towards 
Liam Smith. And I think if Liam Smith wins the first, the early first few rounds because Eubank's not being active enough, I think Eubank puts himself in a position where he needs a KO. And I don't think it's going to come. I think he's going to get caught even more. And he's going to, you know, he's going to... He's going to have to start taking risks. And I think Smith's good enough to... I don't want to say, like, I don't see him stopping him, but I think Smith's cute enough to to, to win wide on the cards if, if it came down to it. I think if he gives away an early lead, Eubank, we could be in for a wide fight for Smith. I swear, that is how I see it. Um, but like I say, with the bookies, the most expected outcome for the bookies, the shortest price, is Eubank to win on points. That's what we think is going to happen, or, or what the bookies thinks is going to happen. So we'll see, but I think it goes the distance. Eddie, was you going to add anything to that, or no? I mean, I honestly, I mean, I like, I like what you were saying about it. It makes a lot of sense. Um, but I guess I, I went, I went right with the bookies. Not that I even knew that that was the case. I had no idea. I was just thinking that you know, if you if 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 Eubank was the winner, it would probably be by decision. Um, knowing that, I mean, obviously he got stopped by a body shot with Canelo, but. Eubank is not Canelo, so I was leaning more toward that. I just had no idea that because I, I never look at the betting odds, and maybe I should because I could probably win myself some money. But um, in this case, I actually was was going with the with the bookies and not against them, which obviously and I didn't. And, and it's three to one for Eubank to be to to win. No, no, no. Liam Smith's three to one on points. Eubank's about you about one to one on points. Oh, okay, okay. I, I was like, okay, well, maybe that is a good bet then. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not. What do I know about it, betting? I don't bet anything because I just don't trust it. But anyway, yeah, but that was it. That was just, you know, just I, I thought I, I thought that was that he was like up in the betting, like the people think he was going to win by, you know, on points mostly. But whatever. What do I know? Especially on that. Boxing, yeah, but betting, no. But no, it will make for a good card. Like I say, I think the Eubank and Smith fight is a good fight. Um, it's a step in the right direction for Eubank in terms of fighting someone who is not completely washed up and fighting someone who some people think you'll lose to. So we need more of that. I mean, you know, Roy Jones has been talking about Eubank maybe fighting Golovkin after this. Um, it's like a lose-lose situation, isn't it? Because I think Golovkin is, uh, at this point, definitely on the slide. Definitely on the slide. I mean, Eubank, if he were to beat him, probably wouldn't even get the credit for it. But, I don't know, man. He's just got to stop going after guys that are finished and at the very end of their career. And I don't think that Liam Smith is actually at the very end of his career. I think he's got a lot more to offer, and he showed it in his recent form. He's on a really, really, really impressive run. So I hope the fight lives up to the to the billing and to the hype that I've just injected into it. Um, like I say, the Essamon and Congo fight is probably uh, the closest fight in terms of 50-50s in my eyes, I'd say. Um, Fraser Clark against Espindola, I'm really... I'm dying to when 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 this podcast finishes, chuck a bet on Clark to win on points. That that's that, that sounds good to me. And Joseph Parker against Jack Massey, I think, is going to be a massacre. Um, and Richard Reakpor against Glowacki is going to be interesting. So some decent fights there. And the final fight to mention of the preview part of the show takes place at the Casino Miami Giant Ally in Miami, Florida, USA, over here. Eddie, we've got some American heavyweight action. We've got Jonathan Guidry, who lost his um, his his one loss came to Trevor Bryan. Um, he boasts a record at the moment of eighteen and one with two draws, and he gets in with former WBC heavyweight world champion, friend of the show, Mister Bermain Stavern, twenty five and five. With a draw. Um, but Mainstavern still hasn't won a fight since beating Derek Rossi in November 2015. Um, three knockout losses in a row to Deontay Wilder, Joe Joyce, and Trevor Bryan. So both guys have lost recently to Trevor Bryan. But it's over 10 rounds there. And of course, it's a Don King Productions event, baby. And. Um, <laughs> If anyone's watching it, um, 
good luck to you. I don't think I'm going to be tuned in, but um, it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be fun while it lasts. I don't think it goes a distance. Um, I'm not entirely sure how many rounds it is. I think it's it might be a ten rounder, but um, yeah, we're going to see about six hundred pounds of heavyweights getting on, getting it on, <laughs> slinging punches. And um, Bermain Stavern, last time he was seen in a ring, which was um, almost to the day two years ago. I think he weighed in at about 270 or something like that. And for a guy that's only um, six foot two, I mean, it's inexcusable. Yeah. If you're yeah, a pro man, boxer. Po- if you're a pro boxer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're 270 and you're 6'2 and you're a bodybuilder or a, or a power lifter, yeah, that's great. And don't get me wrong, I mean, you know, certain guys, you know, who aren't necessarily that tall hold weight differently. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, that's that's not a good weight for him. You know what I mean? And and he's proven, like you said recently, he's not been able to he's not been able to win recently. He's been and, and not only not been able to win, he's been getting stopped. And even with Derek Rossi, he almost got stopped too in that fight. So yeah, it's just it's it's coming to uh I think it's coming to an end for him. And especially if you're gonna come in fights weighing two seventy and you're not even showing it's like at least with Chris Ariola when we've seen him recently, he's been down in weight, been some of the lowest weights of his career, actually came in and tried to get a good account of himself. Whereas you see this guy, and I'm not saying he's not trying to come in and win or he's not trying to come in and look good, but just his weight, looking at the weight and, and how he's gonna be probably when he goes into the ring is not gonna be very pleasing to the eye. And I know that's not what it's all about. It's about skills and it's about, you know, uh, dedication and all those other good things. And and, and it doesn't seem that from what I'm hearing, the weight that he's going to be the best version of himself. He's already, you know, he's not going to be because he's already passed it. We've seen that. But then coming in with the, you know, you know, over, overweight, it's just not good. It's not a good look. And I mean, I, I wish him luck. I hope he does well, but I just don't think, uh, I don't. I don't know how much he's really coming to win with his weight being like that. Yeah, I mean, um, I I don't know what he's weighing at the moment, um, of course. But um, yeah, hasn't been seen for two years. Um, I interviewed him back in March of 2020, um, Bermain Stavern. And if you go back and listen to that interview, you can quite clearly hear throughout that interview. Um, while, while he's answering my questions and particularly while I'm talking you can hear him uh, scraping a plate with with a fork the entire time he was eating during that interview there um, and, and he didn't he didn't really stop uh, throughout the entire interview so I don't know what he's been shoveling in but um, hopefully he turns up in shape um, but yeah. yeah it's a tough it's a it's, it's, it's hard to imagine that happening at this point. It's a shame though, because at one point Eddie, he was a good heavyweight, but it just lasted about eighteen months. <laughs> yeah, you remember J- J- Jamel? Oh wait, what's his name? Jamel, um, Big Baby, Terrell Miller. Yeah. Remember the video? You ever see, you see the video? Oh, in the him. gym. He came in the gym. It was like yeah, he had the WBC belt for like about a day, and I'm like, oh, oh man, God. it was funny though. It was so fucking funny how it played. But theoretically, like you said, it was eighteen months. It's not I mean, a long no, that time was just and... off the top of my head. I don't know how long he was. A no, I mean, if, if, if you say off the top of your head, okay, let's say it was twenty-four months. It's not a long time to be a champion. It's, it's just you know, I'm not taking anything away from him doing it. He won the title. You know what I mean? You got to give him credit. That's something I haven't done, so I can't really say. But it's it's not winning the title. It's keeping it and defending it. You know what I'm saying? It's it's and not everyone can do that. Not everyone is gifted. Not everyone is is the size of these normal heavyweights nowadays. So you can kind of give them a pass in certain areas. But if you win the title and you can't keep it or you don't even try and you come in overweight and you don't really give your best effort, it's only your fault. So you're gonna get guys like 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 Jarrell Miller to coming in and making jokes about about how your uh, heavyweight championship reign was and almost rightfully so i'm not gonna say that that was that was fair (laughs) him coming into the gym doing that but it was definitely funny and it just goes to show like maybe you should come back and shut these people up by coming in in shape ready to fight 
train properly and, and do what your job is and take care of business. Well, we'll see how he gets on. 44 years of age now, uh, Bermain Stavern. But yeah, I mean, I remember when he beat um, Chris Ariola for the title and, you know, it was a vacant WBC. That was, I think, just after Vitali Klitschko said, yep, I'm not coming back now. And um, they put it on the line for him and Ariola, knocked out Ariola, which was quite impressive at that time back in 2014. Lost it in his first defence to Deontay Wilder, but at the same time, he did take this 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 uh, this this knockout machine to the distance, which uh, no one had done at that point at all. He took him 12 rounds, didn't he, Deontay Wilder? Where Deontay actually showed a bit of patience. For, for once and um, yeah I think that was it once, once he lost the title there he just decided okay that's it and that was where we saw the decline I don't think he was as motivated to be a two-time world champion because come back got dropped in the first round against Derek Rossi in his one win ever since that Wilder fight come back got in with Wilder again got folded up in, in one round down three times and that was it come over to the UK against Joe Joyce I think got a decent little payday got stopped there and um, yeah, getting stopped by Trevor Bryan in his last fight two years ago, and now he's back. I mean, God, Don King just uh, he loves his domains to burn. But um, anyway, we've talked about that event for far too long. In the review part of the show, um, we reviewed the three cards that we mentioned from last weekend. Um, then we welcomed our special guest, which was Mikey McKinson, world-ranked welterweight. And then in part two, we wrapped it up with the news and the preview part. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 379 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge shout-out to this week's special guest, the welterweight world contender, Mr. Michael McKinson. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thanks once again for tuning in this week. If you do have a spare two or three minutes, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really does mean a great deal to myself and Eddie. That's about everything from myself, though. Enjoy the fights this weekend, which I'm sure you will. Will stay safe, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll see you all again next week.